Um, good afternoon, good evening, good morning for some of you. <clears throat> My name is Herb, I'm an alcoholic. Welcome to our Big Book 12-step workshop on Zoom. Please join me in uh, prayer, the intention of having spiritual intervention to open our minds and our hearts. God, please set aside everything that I think I know about myself, my brokenness, the 12 steps in you for an open mind and a new experience of myself, my brokenness, the 12 steps, and especially you. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. We've been looking at the beginning of the step inventory, step four. Not as a judgment, but as an evaluation, not to beat ourselves up, but to take stock, to determine our values, our beliefs, our motives. And we can't see them many times by the naked eye, by looking at it, by reading about it, by thinking about it, by feeling it, by talking about it. We need a tool to look at the lens through which we're looking. I've used that metaphor many times. To the extent these glasses are correctly refracted, I'm able to see more clearly. If in fact they were distorted, I wouldn't know they were distorted because those are the lenses through which I'm looking. Now, obviously, once I've seen with clarity, then I know when it's distorted. And that's the benefit of doing this work. Once you've done a column three and column four multiple times, and you've broken the code and you've had the experience of seeing your beliefs in column three and your motives in column four, and you've experienced, I don't mean just understand, you've experienced the turnaround. I mean, we have diligently and courageously you and me as a community been digging down underneath the underneath the underneath and many times it's very visible right here the aha moment the breakthrough moment the the moment the curtain parts and you go ah oh. no words just an expression either on the face or in the breath Once you've had that, as the song says, once you take them off the farm and you give them the exposure to a big city, they can't go back to the farm. Oh, you can pretend and you can narcotize. You can distract yourself. But you'll always have this 
tremor of truth in you that you've seen the lie of your belief and delusion and you've seen the corruption of your motives. And with any sense of willingness and especially accountability, you will continue to refract your lenses so that you can see reality more clearly on a regular basis. The first piece of work we did is on resentment. It's a fancy word for anger, anger that's held, which is in fact the emotional reaction to a behavioral biological instinct for survival, the fight instinct. I mentioned in the beginning in the orientation that there were two other instincts coming right from the brain stem at the cellular biological level. Survival instincts, the first one, fight, of course, we've been spending several weeks on that. This second one is fear. If you can't fight, then you run. Fight, flight. It's a biological instinct. Bill says in step 12, excuse me, step four in the 12 and 12, instincts gone awry. That was the indication that allowed me to begin looking at a biological model for the step four, instincts. And I saw from my biology work, especially in college, those survival instincts. And then from my psychology work, both in undergraduate and graduate work, I could see that translation of those biological survival instincts into psychological survival instincts of emotions. We're just, we're, we're highly sophisticated animals. We have emotions of fight, flight, and freeze translated into anger and fear and shame, hiding, camouflage, dishonesty. And we'll look at that third one in a couple of weeks or maybe three, because the fear inventory is very simple. In fact, it's so simple, there's no worksheet. The anger resentment dynamic has a worksheet too, in fact. The six inventory has a worksheet. Now it's simply recasting the words in the big book. There's nine questions in the big book by my calculation. So I make nine questions as the worksheet, maybe one or two other ones just to help flesh it out. But the fear approach is so simple that there is no worksheet. Now I do have a worksheet in the big book, but it doesn't come from the big book in the way of life document. It doesn't come from the big book. It comes from my background in human development. We'll talk about that next week. On page 67, it says, notice the word fear is bracketed alongside the difficulties with Mr. Brown, Mrs. Jones, the employer and the wife. Well, that's, he's referring to the third column of the resentment inventory, isn't he? On page 65. And that helped, I hope, you unpack the third column. But I also gave you two areas in the column four worksheet on fear, question number four and question number eight. So you've already done quite a bit of identifying fear. 
Uh, you haven't unpacked it, you haven't analyzed it, but you have identified it and put it in a parking spot. And that was the point. I asked you in part of the assignment in preparation for today, just to make a short list of some fears that come off the top of your head, out of the middle of your gut, out of the opening in your heart. Spontaneous. More about that in a minute. This short word somehow touches about every aspect of our lives. It was an evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. What a great metaphor. Every one of us has clothes on and those clothes have color and those colors come from threads. And think about what he's talking about fear here. It's as integrated as part of our warp and woof as the threads of color in our clothing or on the rug on the floor. And then very much like uh, resentment, very much like the introduction to the whole inventory work, he said, so our troubles are of our own making. And here he says, it, it, fear, set in motion strains of circumstances which brought us misfortune we felt we didn't deserve. Hear the resonance with the victimhood of the resentment inventory. However, once we get underneath it, don't we set the ball rolling? Just like resentments, I, I am 100% the source of my anger. I am 100% the source of my fear. In fact, Bill didn't know this, it's not in the literature, but I know that from my background, or at least reported by other scientists who have a lot more education than I do, there's only two natural fears. The fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. Wow, everything else is an acquired fear. Everything else is a conditioned fear, like Pavlov's dog. When Pavlov uh, blew the whistle with nothing other in indicated, the dog had been trained to salivate because originally Pavlov had meat in his hand when he blew the whistle. But eventually the dog just associated the whistle with the meat, even though there was no meat. That's us. That's us. And that's the underlying nature of trauma also. Trauma is a horrible experience, an unfortunate experience, tragic experience, sometimes a criminal experience, sometime in our life. And it doesn't take much to recreate that feeling, that reaction, because it's a conditioned behavior at the cellular level. A Vietnam vet dropping to the ground when he hears a car backfire. That's what we're talking about in the simplistic terms. We think fear ought to be classed with stealing, he says on page 68. I'm not sure exactly what that means, except that this, I speculate, was written in 1939. Bill and the country had just come out of the Depression. And or we're coming out of the Depression. And so stealing was a high category crime because it deprived people of absolutely necessary things for functioning. I'm, I'm assuming I'm just making that up doesn't matter. Page 68. He gets right into it then. We reviewed our thoroughs, our fears thoroughly. So just like resentment, make a list. Spontaneous. You've begun it. You can mm, complete whatever comes to you on a radar sweep of your mind and your heart and your gut. If you wanted to go over your history uh, to take a look at 
different segments of time that make sense to you and put down some major fears. Please, uh, just for your own sake, avoid the minor fears by definition, maybe mosquitoes and snakes. Uh, fear of flying is a major. It's a, it, it diminishes the quality of your life. Uh, fear of going outside, fear of people. Those are major. Fear of driving on a freeway. Those are major fears. They diminish the quality of your life, at least by my standards. They may not be yours. Don't assume them because I've said so. You define what major means for you. And then take a look at the column three fears and see if there's anything that needs to be added to this list. And then take a look at the column four, questions four and eight, to see if any of those need to be added to the list. Now, all of a sudden, and before you do any column three, column four work, you might have a list of 15 or 20 fears. It might be sufficient. I'm saying, just like I did for resentment, I'm trying to help you shape it because once you unpack three or four fears, the pattern is going to be the same and the analysis is going to be redundant beyond that. And so if you do 10 of the exercises I'm about to give you, that may be sufficient. I would say do a minimum of 10, but a maximum of 20. That's why I say you can get the fear inventory done in two hours. There's no point in belaboring it and delaying it. I'm not saying jump into the fear inventory if you haven't finished your resentment inventory, unless you want to. I have no rules, as you know. But at least do one or two or three of them in the way I'm about to describe so that you have a benefit of understanding the instructions and following the conversation that will inevitably take place next week. And then go back to doing column three and column four and finishing it up and then do the fear inventory. I mean, that's my recommendation because that's the way the book lays it out. Uh, again, you, I'm a practical man. What will you do? What can you do? What works for you? Be very practical. It might be a real break to do the fear inventory because it's so simple. Here it is. We put them on paper, even though we had no resentment in connection with them. It's a writing exercise. We asked ourselves why we had them. Once we have the list, we take one off and we write an answer. Why do I have it? That's it. That's the fear inventory. Take a look at the question about a fear. Why do I have it? This is fictitious, totally fictitious. I'm giving it as an example to just model what I'm talking about. Let's assume, I don't, but let's assume that I had a fear of large dogs and I put down large dogs, fear. Why do I have it? Oh, wow. I remember when I was five years old, I was hospitalized because of attack and stitches received from a large dog. And being an unsophisticated person, I would say, oh, now I remember what happened then. Oh, that's the explanation and that dissipates the fear, perhaps. And perhaps it doesn't. Maybe there is some other traumatic connection that has hardened that fear so that it is generalized into other areas. And then you need professional help. A behavioral psychologist can get rid of those kind of behavioral fears in five to 10 sessions. Fear of flying, 
fear of driving on a freeway, fear of going outside, fear of new people. It's all dealt with so easily anymore with a trained behavioral psychologist. So that would be as far as you would go. But this man asked me to go further. He said, why don't you continue to ask the question of the answer that you give? Well, there was no continuation with the dog story that was fictitious, as I said, but here's a real example. I had a fear, 1991, the second time I went through the work when I got this instruction. I didn't get it the first time, the second time. I have a fear of honesty. Hmm. Why do I have a fear of honesty? Well, I'm afraid to tell you the truth transparently, because if I tell you what I'm thinking and feeling and doing, then I can no longer believe that I control your reaction to me. Well, why is it important for me to know that? That's the second question. Ask the question of the answer that I gave to the first question. I have a fear of honesty because you'll know the truth about me. Well, why is that important, Herb? What fear comes up when you say that? Well, then you might not like me. Or then you won't see me as I want to be seen. We don't stop there. He said, push it. Ask the question again. What fear comes up when you say that? You'll disrespect me. What fear comes up when you say that? You'll disassociate. What fear comes up when you say that? I'll be alone. What fear comes up? I'll drink again. I'm jumping ahead. Um, it can go on and on and on in terms of your connections to these fears that are coming up progressively as you unpack this, like peeling the onion, the proverbial onion. And I get down to the place where, wow, I have covered up my low self-esteem with all this grandiosity and bravado and lies about who I am in order so that I fit in, that I be liked, that I not be thrown away. Because if in fact you got to know me as I think I am, this is now psychological self-esteem, not the self-esteem of the third column. If you got to know me as I know me, you wouldn't associate with me. So my bravado is a cover for low self-esteem. And then because of the work I've done in therapy and psychology, I know that that's come essentially from the training and conditioning I got from a very drunken, daily drunken father who verbally and emotionally abused me since I was probably two or three years old. I can go back that far. And that probably is part of the explanation. I left home at 17 and went into a monastery that was dedicated to silence. I mean, I didn't know it at the time. It wasn't conscious motivation. I didn't know that until probably doing this work the second or the third time. I began to put the pieces together. Lots of things go underneath our, con our consciousness. And that's why I say this work penetrates, as it did in column three and column four, it penetrates the unconscious. It draws the curtain back so that we begin to see the truth. I had never seen that in therapy. 
not in the way that I experienced it here. To know it is one thing, to experience it is quite another thing. And so that's the approach that I'm suggesting that you sample with at least one by next week, with at least one fear. Ask, what, not, not why do I have it, that gets you in your head. I'm really recommending that, although this is analytical, it's analyzing a feeling. Much the same way that column three, fear, was analyzing a feeling. And column four was actually analyzing an understanding of our motives. The fear inventory is taking a look at the feelings that come up. What fear comes up when I answer the question this way? And it could end up, I'll drink again. All right, what fear, what fear does that bring up? I'll die. First I'll suffer, then I'll die. Well, what fear comes up with the thought of death? And some people have no fear of death. I had to explore it. Do I have any real fear of death? No, I had the fear of suffering before death. That's my fear. I don't have any fear of death because when I'm dead and my dead, it's over. I have no idea what's on the other side, but I'm willing to be surprised. If there's nothing on the other side, I won't know it because I won't be there. If there's something on the other side, it'll be interesting. But I, I, I can't speculate about that. I have enough trouble living on this side, dealing with this reality. But some people have pushed it so far. Well, maybe there is no God. What fear comes up then? See, there's another question. Until you hit the bottom where you have an answer, or you hit the bottom and you can't go any further, or you hit the bottom and you begin bouncing back up and go circular. Those are the three options. You have an experience of the truth by your standards. You hit, you hit a wall that you can't, you can't penetrate. You leave it alone. Go, go on to the next one. Or you begin to go circular. As soon as that happens, stop and go on to the next one. That's why I say this. It's really very straightforward. But the questions are real. This is not about getting the right answer. This is not about looking good and being cute and being philosophical, psychological. No, 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 no. This is about having an experience. What fear is underneath that? Like you did in the third column in the fear uh, part of it. Put your hand on your heart, perhaps, if you're having trouble when you ask the question. Don't ask an analytical question, why? Ask uh, an emotional question. What feeling comes up? What feeling of fear comes up when I ask the next question of my concern about the result of what would happen if this happens? What would happen if this happens? What would happen if this happens? We're unpacking fear, not a thought about fear. We're unpacking the feeling of fear. Well, Bill has a very glib, but very wise answer. Glib because it's very short and succinct. Wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? That's why we have fear, self-reliance. Self-reliance is good as far as it goes, but it doesn't go far enough. Some of us once had great self-confidence, but it doesn't solve the fear problem. It makes us cocky. Perhaps there is a better way. We think so, for we are now on a different basis 
What's that? The basis of trusting and relying upon God. When did we establish that basis? Oh yeah, step three. Made a decision to turn our will and our life over to the care of God. That's the basis of trust. We trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. What a great play on words. Infinite, having no beginning and no end. That's what we saw in steps two and three, or at least we speculated about it, not really understanding it. But it's in direct contrast to our finite self. We know we're not smart enough. We're not educated enough. We're not fast enough. We're not strong enough. No. We're puny in the world of seven million people it's on a log struggling for survival and a place in the sun. Now he asks us to examine that place. We are in the world to play the role God assigns. Wow, what a great statement. This man said to me, Herb, turn that statement into a question. Put a big question mark in the margin. I'm asking you to do that right there. Put a big question mark in the margin and turn that statement into a question like this. What is the role I've been assigned in this world? And then he said, write it down and hold that question until you finish step nine. Why was it so important to him? Well, because it's so important to the book. Listen to the next line. Just to the extent that we do as we think God would have us and humbly rely on God, does God enable us to match calamity with serenity? That's a really complex and dense sentence. What does it mean? If you want peace, find out what your destiny is and do it. Yep. Translation. I think it works. That's the whole nature of the serenity prayer. Wisdom is knowing what I can influence and what I can influence. Each one of us has a unique fingerprint. Historically, up till now, there never has been a fingerprint like yours. Currently in the world today with 7 billion people, there is no duplicate fingerprint of yours. That's why they, they use it as a method of identification. And uh, after you go, there will never be another fingerprint like yours. It's the same with your DNA. That's how unique each of us are. We're not the center of the universe, but we are the center of our universe and we are unique as that. I believe our gifts and our contribution, the meaning to our lives is as unique as we are. Everything that we've thought and experienced and done has made us unique and perhaps uniquely helpful. In fact, on I believe it's page 102, Bill says, your job now is to be at the place where you can be useful. It's a general term, but it is the mantra of the spiritual journey, our way of life, of the result of the big book. That turning that we committed to in step three is the turning from self-centeredness to other-centeredness our reliance on power in step 11, and our contribution to other people in step 12, based on principles. 
We never apologize to anyone for depending upon our creator. We can laugh at those who think spirituality the way of weakness. Paradoxically, it is the way of strength. The verdict of the ages is that faith means courage. I unpacked that for you when we did step two on page 53. God is or God isn't, what is your choice? We are confronted with the question of faith, he says on page 53. Faith is a courageous decision. Step three, to turn to be in alignment with our understanding of reality, our alignment with the care that we hope is available and we're betting our life on it. It's a ferocious act of our will, step two. It's a ferocious act of our will, step three. In step two, we make a decision with no evidence. In step three, we act as if it's true. A faith decision in step two, a decision and a hope decision in step three. But as my good teacher, Father Richard Rohr says, we make that decision based on no evidence. And once we begin acting as if it's true, the evidence appears. After you finish your ninth step, look back over your shoulder and tell me there is no God. It won't be possible. It just won't be possible. You might have a different definition or description than you have now or that anybody else has. But you will look back over your shoulder and see things that can't happen. And they did. You will be taken to a place that you can't get to. And yet you've been taken there. They trust their God. We never apologize for God. Instead, we let God demonstrate through us what God can do. A spiritual awakening, a change in the way we think and feel and behave, and it's done to us, not by us. Bill's very consistent. The big book has such internal integrity. Notice, in contrast to the above paragraph, where he says, just to the extent that we do, talking about behavior, in this paragraph, he says, we ask God to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be. Again, recognizing us as human beings and human doings. Looking at the doing first because it's observable, our behavior, but looking underneath that as the source of our doing comes from the actualization of our being. But it also is very reminiscent of the removal of deep resentment. Bill said we're as powerless over our deep resentment as we are over our addiction. He's implying the same thing here. We ask God to remove our fear. That's not subtle. That means we can list it, we can analyze it, we can read it, we can talk about it, we can want it gone, but we can't get it gone. Some of the process will diminish it. Some of the process will even eliminate some of our fears. But there will be some deep fears. And prayer is at least the, the first recommendation here. As I mentioned earlier, if you have fears that are interfering with the quality of your life, and this doesn't take them to the place where your quality improves, you might need professional intervention. 
That's especially true with trauma cases, PTSD. At once we begin, we commence to outgrow fear, commence, begin. So it's really simple. I'll talk about the balance of the um, approach to uh, the fear inventory next week when I look at the way of life document. You're welcome to take a look at that worksheet to be familiar with it and then I'll talk about it at that time. So let's talk to some folks about the fear inventory. If you have any questions on that, uh, if you don't, it's okay. And if you want to do column three and four work, that's just fine. Um, anything that you have as a question or concern or as an experience or comment, you're welcome to make when I call on you. So I'd like to do the esteem from three and then the four. Fine. What's your resentment? Um, my sister, Amy, for leaving me out of she and her daughter's holidays and events since 95. All right. Self-esteem. Is she your younger sister? Younger, yeah. Three years youngest of the family. All right. Um, seeing myself as the best big sister, helpful and wise, anyone would wish to have me in their presence. I'm willing to sacrifice and always helpful and available. Yeah. And my fear is I've been too busy and not as available as she needed. All right. And... Um... What's your self? Oh, let's see. That's that Received. was your self-esteem. Could you read your pride before you go over to the fourth column? Sure. Yes. Um, I want to see uh, Amy's. Others should see Amy treating me as a rare commodity, begging time on my calendar, lining up holidays and birthdays a year in advance. There you go. That was <laughs> real colorful. That's great. And your fear is? Uh, she's not going to come out onto the stage. Okay. All right. All right. And cross over to the fourth column. What's your perceived role? Um, I'm the dist sister. Yep. And the event, the, the events really did not happen. <laughs> they did happen in that event. I'm sorry. Help me what you're saying. I don't understand. I was never included. That actually happened. Yeah. 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 Got it. Yeah. 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 It, it's a fact that she has ignored you. Yeah. So, um, uh, dis, uh, dist sister, you said ignored sister. All right, got it. Okay, I'll say ignored. Well, actually, it's even worse than ignored. It's rejected, isn't it? Um, no, it may not be. Okay, I'm not. I'm not positive. Yeah. All right. All right let's just go with um, dist and ignored. Or those are my words. The one is. Um, they uh, they all apply. When when you feel this feeling today, how do you behave? What's number one? Read number one. On those events, I give gifts, but it's with my agenda. Um, I give gifts, wanting my absence to be felt. So um, I, okay, I, I give gifts, but in my heart, it's um, passive aggressive. Uh-huh. Because you're giving a gift, but you're just saying, I'm, I'm giving you a reminder. I'm still around, bitch. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You are so good. 
<laughs> oh, human nature is pretty much the same. Yep. Oh, gosh. And um, underneath that, the thought, the unhealthy thought is about self-centeredness as the source. How did you describe it in number two? Self-pity, wanting things my way, wanting to be like, and, and it, uh, <laughs> jealous of my sister's relationship to her own girls. All right. All yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Uh, um, I mean, it's a good, good insight on your part. Yeah. Uh, How did that feel when you had that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Number three. Where are you dishonest? Um, not admitting that I've done the same thing. Oh. Like in different ways, and um, wanting to hurt other people. Other people. Yeah. Not. I don't have kids to do it with, but other things. Got it. Number four. Fear. Abandonment, loneliness, my inadequacy as not being a spouse or a parent. Okay. Oh, got it. Yep. Um, number five, um, in terms of your role and responsibility today, for, or let's go back a bit. That started, you said 95, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So what? I, that, that is trying, trying, trying hard to be the all caps the aunt yep yep there's other aunts out there yeah well but okay that's what you did but is that what caused the rift in 95 mm, well if we if we go down to the bottom of the page it may have Okay. Um, we'll I really, because this has been I'm a blind come spot. back to that because um, normally I'm not interested in the history, but I think in this case it might be relevant. So, but so, what's your role and responsibility today in holding this resentment now? Self pity and just, re and I've removed myself. Oh, so she hasn't rejected you. You've rejected her. My rejection was in response to her rejection. When did that start? Um, just, just this year or last year. Well, there's a long space between 1995 and last year. That's uh, 25 years by my calculation. What's yeah. going on in between there? Nothing? Placating. What does that mean? Uh, um, Who's placating who and what does it look like? Polite, because it's a larger family. Oh, but so now the family has... So you have family get-togethers. You're just not invited to her personal family stuff. Mm -hmm. Ah, I got it. All right. I understand that. Yeah. How big is the... Um, how many siblings do you have? Five others. Oh, big family. Okay, I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so, so uh, again, I'm sorry if I, I missed it. Uh, That's okay. The, the question uh, is, um, what is your role and responsibility today to holding this resentment? To creating and holding, sustaining this resentment? Um, 
Did you write anything in answer to that? In, is, are you on five? Number five, yes, thank you. Uh, just being like the wounded one or self-pity. And I- Okay, okay, I get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You just um, are the, the very shiny victim. <laughs> well, you keep polishing it. It's good. It's, it's a very polished, very polished victim. It is at this point. Yeah, yeah. All right, good. Uh, skip <laughs> six and seven because we'll come back to that in step eight. So in question eight, more fears? Of rejection and my inferiority. All right. And um, number nine, character defects? Greedy, self-centered, manipulative. Okay. Uh, and those you'll examine more in when you get to step six. I've probably not made this comment enough, but that's a parking spot also for step six. But it also, for me, was a filter that helped me understand my self-centeredness when I saw my character defects that were connected in any way to this resentment. It helped me understand the source in me of my resentments. Um, what would you say would be the primary functional, dysfunctional uh, defect, character defect in, uh, connected to this particular resentment? Anything from what you listed there? I think the manipulative. Okay, all right. I mean, there's no right or wrong answer. There's just, I was just putting- They're, they're all three pretty heavy hitters, I think. Well, you used the term greed and I wasn't going to ask, but now I am. Uh, what does it mean? Greedy for the, for the daughter's- God, yeah. Fondness. Oh. Uh... I would have taken, I've- I still feel like I'd take bullets for them. Oh. I was involved with childcare early on as she was a single parent. Got it. The word competitive came to my mind. Is it relevant? It's very relevant. <laughs> it's a, look at, there's a space for it too. <laughs> All, right. All right. Number 10, what's the benefit and value for you holding this resentment for, I'm assuming 25 years? Yeah. I, what what I I'll just put what came out was wounded yep. warrior. Um, but what what is it serving for you? What is the benefit of you feeling like a wounded warrior? Well, the, there isn't a benefit. Oh no, there but is. no, there is. You've held it for twenty five years. It's yeah, really important. It's a pet that's grown and you've nursed it. Yeah, herb. A benefit. It's serving a purpose. If I'm a wounded animal, then then you have to like do something for me. Maybe I don't. Yeah, I'm stabbing. It's this has been a real big blind spot. No, no, I I, I hear yeah. it. Yeah, a couple words just jumped out at me from, uh, and I, I don't need to quote where they came from, but you said a cover, uh, your fear was a cover for your inadequacy. And oh, and even in question eight, more fears your in inferiority. Yeah. 
So is your anger just a cover for your hurt? That would be a bingo. Yeah. 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 Yep. All right. Um, yeah. Oh, Thank you. Um, it sounds like it landed in a sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That really helped. All right. Um, the perceived role at the top. Yeah. The dist sister ignored a rejected sister. And, and what's the truth at the bottom? And I've been the ignoring and rejecting. It could be. Sister that's, could be. That's too, that's too formulaic. Yeah. But I think what we just experienced is the truth. What did you just experience when I said? I'm the angry, hurt sister. How about I'm the deeply hurt sister? Yeah. Bingo, as you said earlier. I think that's the bullseye. Yeah. And you cover it up with bravado and passive aggressive and you send gifts and it's all about your hurt. Yeah. 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 Alrighty then. Hmm? Alrighty then. Uh, Yay. Well, really good work. Really good work. Thanks, Herb. Yeah. Any any comment you want to share on any of the, what you did in writing or now in our talking? Um, it is really nice to be able to say that because that's how I felt for so long. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Don't know what to do with that. That's okay. That's well, fine. Hey, you, were, you were reading my mind just now because I want to fix you. <laughs> <laughs> and I know this work will do it, but we can't, we can't, it, you, you can't make a tulip grow by pulling on it. <laughs> so in the ninth, eighth and ninth step, we will address this very deeply. And there'll be that. a healing that will come out of that. I'm not sure what it means. I just know that's where it happens. All right. Standing on that. <laughs> yeah, you can you can write it down as a note and remind me at the time. It'll be great. All right. Great. Thanks, Thanks. sir. Yeah, I resent calling for abusive therapy practices uh, when I was uh, young. Okay. All right. Uh, a therapist for abusive practices. Yep. Go ahead. Um, I self-esteem. Yeah. I am a man worthy of deep respect and love. Um, sorry, I'll come again. I'm here. Just wait. There's no rush. I am a man worthy of deep respect and love. Uh, my life is sacred and a precious gift. And my fear uh, is that I'm not worthy of love and uh, I'm damaged and not lovable unless I change my fund, the foundational nature of myself. Yeah. Uh, pride. Uh, others should see Colin Cook treating me as a person who is whole, uh, to be respected, and whose life is sacred. And uh, my fear is that I will not be treated with dignity and respect, that like, life can never be easy or happy. Uh, ambition. I want to be fully alive at home in my body and at peace. 
as a sexual being and as a whole soul. Uh, fear, I uh, fear that I can never claim happiness fully. Yeah. Um, never comfortable in my own skin. Um, security, what do I need to be okay? I need outward signs and confirmation from others, outward validation that I'm okay. Why? Uh, because I was told in so many ways that I am wrong. And I want to feel like I'm okay. Uh, fear that I won't fully claim an inner ease of being and be at ease in my body. Yeah. Uh, personal relationships, uh, relations, sorry. <clears throat> uh, I expect this person has my be best interest at heart, that they are, uh, let's see, coming from a place of integrity. And my fear is, well, that what was stolen from me, I can't get back. And to damage that is uh, irreparable. Uh, yeah. mm -hmm. Gender relations. Uh, I, a real ideal man should always be consistent, strong, anchored, uh, mature, carries influence, compelling wisdom, and have refined boundaries. Uh, my fear is that no men have any integrity. Uh, they're not trustworthy. Uh, inner issues with their own inner issues are healing or integrity um i didn't do a woman for this because it didn't seem that's all right yeah and what is my affected value uh my sense of well-being and uh the fear yeah, is that i am wrong as a person damaged and uh not fully of value all right and um uh, how long ago was this uh process with this man a long time ago a uh, period of uh four years uh, ago when i was like 18 to 21 and i'm 58 now so yeah all right all right <clears throat> um so what's your experience in doing this in terms of your beliefs then the, it's only 50% of the work, as you know, and the other 50% is in the, uh, the column four work. And so um, it, I just want to focus on what your experience is with this work. Yeah. And that's about beliefs. Yeah. About, well, go. I won't prompt you. Go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'd welcome a prompt, actually. Oh, I know. No, I, I, I don't want to. I want you. I want you to see what you respond to when I just ask the generic question. Yeah. Um, about your what? What did you see about beliefs that was perhaps heal, helpful? Yeah. Well, this consistent sense of not being okay without external validation that just came shining through in a bunch of places. That's big, yeah. yeah, yeah, and a real strong sense of of sort of um, believing in in inner voice, my own guide, the guidance that comes from within, um, uh, because of these experiences that was very shaping. But I think the thing I just mentioned is probably the the biggest. That um, yeah, I just always looking for that external validation. Somebody's got to tell you you're okay. Well, yeah, me to me, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. But also a very 
a deep belief that you're not. Right, right, yeah. That, that was sort of the dominating theme throughout this, especially, that's why I asked about the time frame. Since it was 20, 30 years ago, you're, you're still, you still have this sense from then of this, that's where the resentment comes from, right? Yeah, um, yes. You know, it's, I've worked at this for years and uh, it's been on earlier resentments uh, going through the steps. I've done a lot of therapy. I mean, I feel like there's been a lot of healing. And so I was really surprised in the middle of our work that this emerged again. And I, I think it's why I wanted to just have an experience with you with the third column, because yeah. I was taught so much. My whole family is all, it was, it was just a lot of like jump to the forgiveness. Um, oh yeah, no, <laughs> that's just not helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So I've, I've been actually really surprised at, at um, how strong some of this stuff is and that I still am reacting from it. Yeah. Uh, so I just, I want to meet it head on. Well, um, speaking of head on, have you begun the prayer practice for the removal yes. of deep resentment? Yeah. Yeah. Good. On a daily basis? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Good. N newly, you know, of course, before in other experiences, other times in my life but during this process very specifically since we started this on a, yeah. since I started writing this yeah 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 right. I'm, so I'm feeling relief there's a way I just was hanging on to it because uh, I've been thinking for the last four weeks maybe I'd be called on this so but I just felt it felt really important just I need to say it out loud here yeah. and recognize it for what it is still there's there is something and I'm not exactly sure what it is I've not anyway uh that it's very powerful about saying it out loud. Mm -hmm. I had the experience for the very first time that I remember <laughs> when I um, was in the hospital program right about this time, 37 years ago, supporting, I wasn't in the hospital, my wife was. And they asked me to do a autobiography of my relationship with alcohol. And I'd never been asked that before. I'd never looked at my first drink at 12 and I'm 43 years old at that point. So 30 years of living with exposure to and experience with alcohol. I'd, I'd never looked at it like this. And when I looked at it and I wrote it down, it was interesting. I had never connected many of the episodes myself, but when I read it out to a group of people, yeah. the, the, the experience went down through me hmm. in a way that many people have that experience when they're actually interacting verbally with me and they begin to like have that visceral experience with it that comes from here down someplace into here yeah and that's that's life-changing yeah that's that's i'm glad you mentioned that because that's kind of what i experienced today yeah yeah i was i was feeling kind of calm grounded in a place of just we're going to have just a back and forth and, and it's just it's all feeling it's all visceral it's it's dropping down for sure yeah yeah <laughs> I feel like, you know, with that relationship to alcohol that you speak of, you know, I've, I'm in programs for sex addiction and food addiction, these very sensual kind of addictions. And I really wanted to, 
I'm so grateful for the opportunity to speak about this before the sex inventory. Um, it just feels like I feel really a relief from that too. And, and also for going to that fourth column, because I realized as we began to do this, um, um, I, I, I tried a fourth step, fourth column on this and I just, I, and I got to talk to you about the third first. Got it. Now I feel like I can be ready to do that fourth yeah. column. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'm not sure why, but the connection I'm making in me as we're talking is with Dr. Berger, uh, who is a clinical psychologist. He's my co-facilitator in emotional sobriety workshops. And um, he's a gestalt therapist, which means that it's all about the body, the emotions, and the holistic approach to human beings. Mm. And um, that's probably why I connected with him because I've been all up here all my life. And he brought me very much into here at a time when I was doing this work, which was bringing me here also. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, it, and that's the, as I say, the life-changing turnaround when you connect what we know to how we feel. Right. Right. That's really good. You know, I think there was that question you've been asking many of us here. How did it feel to read this? Yeah. And I mean, we've already been talking about my answer, obviously, because I've it, deeply powerful. Um, and as you say, to just kind of confess it, I think I've been dancing around some aspects of this that I need uh, that I want to stop carrying it. I'm eager for the fourth column now, but I, I um, yeah, but I was also wanting to, I'm just not sure sometimes like getting into that fourth column. I have, I have spent so many years feeling it's all my fault and how did I get into this and because it was really a terrible situation and um and the, even the thought of what's my role in this there is some real resistance to um so I'm eager now to kind of uncover what that can mean in this situation just remember and get very clear on the purpose of the question what's my role not okay. my role in holding this motive not my role in this behavior necessarily, but what's my role in creating a resentment? Yeah. That's a very, very specific question about the origin of this negative feeling that I have. Mm -hmm. All right. It's to help us then understand what the motive is, what's the benefit or value that we're not aware of. Most people are not conscious. The first reaction when I say, what's the benefit or value? Everybody goes, oh, there's no value. When you've heard me say it. Oh, yes, there is. Because you've held it for five years. You've held it for 25 years. Obviously, there's a benefit. Who would go around sticking needles in their eye? Right. <laughs> yeah. I'm so tempted to ask you sort of, I know you won't really want to answer this, but I, I get real blind spots, even thinking that a worksheet on that column will get me to it. And I'm, I'm going to do it, of course, but because it's, uh, I want to say, what's, you know, give me four multiple choice, you know, I'm holding it because of this, 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 or this. I mean, what are, what are the options for that? And we'll if, find out, won't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> of course. Yeah. I appreciate this time very much, though. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. I resent my mom for judging my anger 
really my angry outbursts, especially road rage and yelling at the television, when it's her that I'm taking after. Go ahead. <laughs> Just like her and she's judging me for it. Yeah. All right. I am self-esteem. I am a loyal daughter who just wants to bond with, admire, and be like her mother. All right. And your fear? Um, I have assumed all the wrong qualities. Um, I hate her. And I hate myself. Everybody hates me. That's a, that's a fear or is that just more uh, resentment? Oh, interesting. Well, the fear is that I have all the wrong qualities of hers. Oh. Like I picked up all the wrong qualities. All right. um, I think I fear that I'll, I'm never going to move on from the hatred. That's more of the fear. There. Good. Excellent. And go, go to pride just to see what the color is. All right. Others should see my mom siding with me when I'm mad, supporting me while acknowledging my disdain and modeling appropriate ways to express and move on from unpleasant feelings. Okay, and your fear? I'm a lost cause, an, ang <laughs> an angry, ugly troll who should be locked up. Okay, and move over to the fourth column, perceived role. Um, I believe I'm the bamboozled daughter. All right, and talk to us about bamboozle. What do you mean by that? Um, like I was sort of tricked into taking after someone out of like love or just taking after my mother because she's my mother and having the world, well, the rug kind of pulled out from under me. Um, because, you know, now she's decided that this is not the way to be. So like I've been tricked right. kind of. Yeah, no, I'm glad I asked. So my, my, the two terms, the two words I wrote down was poorly trained. Does that poorly work? Trained. It's more, you're, bamboozled is a great word because it also connotes that um, it was done to you the way you explained it. Yeah. <laughs> bamboozle is better than poorly trained because i agree, I agree with yeah you. yeah all right yeah. so let's let's go further uh here with when you feel this feeling today of being bamboozled uh how do you behave number one um well i argue with her and i lie in waiting for her to get set off so i can prove that i'm not crazy um, I also, I shut down, and so I seethe with anger, therefore avoiding any real connection with her. All right. And then I also beat myself up, wondering if I'm just completely fucked up. All right. So there's a lot of activity there. Number two, um, what unhealthy thinking is the source <laughs> of uh, this feeling? Um, all right. There's going to be a lot of swear words. So first of all, I don't even like myself when I'm like that. And now this bitch is dumping more toxic shit on me. She fucking taught me to be this way. And now she's judging me for it. I'm so much better than her. Um, right. So if you, were, if you were to summarize that, synthesize that into one or two words, what would you say is your unhealthy attitude and response? 
that she's ruined my life and I'm stuck. No, with this I baby. understand that. I understand that. No, no, that's your blame. Ask the question again. That's your blame uh, game again. Okay, ask the question we know again. You're, wait, wait, wait. We know you're angry. We know you blame her. Okay. We know that you have a rage about her. You, we, we know that, in fact, you lay in wait for her to prove that you're right and she's wrong. So you have this ongoing struggle. But the point of number two is, what's your unhealthy thinking that's driving this very unhealthy behavior? I'm assuming you see that as unhealthy behavior. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I, I never assume. That's why I made it uh, verbal. But so what? what is the unhealthy thinking here that's driving that? That I'm wrong. No, that she's wrong. You blame her. Okay. Yeah. And very defensive. The two words I wrote down went from what you just read is that you're a blaming person and you're very defensive. Yeah. All right. The so, thought is that she did this to me. I know. <laughs> we're clear. Yeah. Yeah, we're clear that that's your thought. All right. Now, how old are you? I'm going to, excuse me. Are you over 21? Yes. Are you an adult woman? Yes. And she's doing this to you? I don't think so. Sounds to me like you're doing it to yourself. That you've given her the power to name you. She's not doing anything but being a crazy mom. <laughs> she's good at it. Well, you, you, apparently, I mean, you've accepted her as your criteria of reality. Can you repeat um, what you, you got for number two? That Blame and defensive. You blame her. Yeah. I, I'm pretty confident you don't even hear me and or see what I'm saying. Because in fact, your responses are like, my, my words are water on a duck's back. You're very insulated from hearing the truth that she's not to blame for who you are today. I hear, yeah, that's further down the sheet. Well, um, let's go to I, number three then and just- Okay, because I, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say, because like, I, I, yes, I'm, I blame her and I'm, I'm defensive. And so that just boils down the things that I had already said on here into two words, essentially, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, okay. at least from my standpoint, number okay. three, though, a dishonest. Um, uh, that my outbursts should be some kind of mother-daughter bonding experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, I'm glad. Wait, fine. there's more. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and it, it, my... it, is an, it is your way of thinking of effective communication. And of course, that's totally yeah. functional. I mean, it's been an interesting eye-opening experience when I realized that, that like, oh, I think like when I'm being, when I'm screaming at the TV and I'm thinking I'm bonding with her because that's what she does. And then she judges me for it. I'm like, wait, what? It's <laughs> anyway. So that's, there's something that it, it gets better. 
so also that my display of anger is in any way smart, cool, funny, entertaining, or enjoyable. That's also, I realize, just delusional. But after, after doing number 10, something I, I realized, and so then I came back up and added this, is it's easier to be pissed. Wait, where are we? Number, no, number three. That I still need her approval to be okay. There. That's, and that's the crux of Huge. this. Huge, right. So I said it gets better. Right, <laughs> number four, uh, okay. fear. Um, I'll never get any resolution. Mm -hmm. um, anger is the one thing that made me feel close to or like my mother is now being denied by, by her. So now it feels like nobody's ever going to love or want to be or want me because nobody wants an angry person around. That's a fear. Yeah. I'm, I'm afraid that yeah, I've just lost everything. Like if, I'm afraid that like yeah. what little bit I thought I was getting out of the anger yeah. has just rotted on the vine, and now yeah, I'm stuck yeah. with. No, all right. Number yeah. five, your role and responsibility in generating this anger. Okay, so I fooled myself into thinking this way of being could lead me to love. Um, that was then, and now I just want her to see where she's wrong or a hypocrite. But then I, like I said, after doing number 10, I realized I just want her to accept me and love me. So what's your role then in generating the resentment? We're still on number five? Please. Um, so I'm responsible in generating, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. I have an unhealthy habit of dysfunctional communication. Okay. Are you getting what you want from your mother? No. And yet no. you try harder. The same <laughs> thing that's defeating you, you, you put it on steroids rather than going, damn, it's not working. I'm going to stop this and I'm going to try to be myself. I'm not going to give her the power to name me. And I'm going to be, read uh, self-esteem again, please. A loyal daughter who just wants to bond with and admire and be like her mother. Well, do you really want to be like your mother? No. No, you want to really be a loyal daughter who's kind and loving and who has effective communication. It twists my insides because I want to be a loyal daughter to a mother that deserves loyalty. Well, um, all right, you don't get to name who your mother is. Right. No, really, seriously. She just is who she is. And I don't want to be loyal to, to that. Well, then stop trying so hard. 
have some integrity. You're trying to change her, or you're trying to change yourself, or you're trying to deal with the reality that doesn't exist. That's it. I'm trying to deal with the reality that doesn't exist. There you go. All right. All right. Then, so that is a great answer to number five. I am not dealing with current reality. I'm trying to create a reality that's actually not possible. Skip six and seven, go to eight. Any additional fears? Okay. Any other fears? Number eight, yes. That I'm a monster. Uh, okay, it's just a feeling. All right. I'm saying it that way because I'm, I'm, I don't want to endorse it. I hope you're not endorsing it. I, I hope you see that as that's, that's just a feeling and it, there's no fact in that. All right. Number nine, character defects. Anger, blame, delusion. Blame and what? Delusion. What's delusion? The, yeah, I know, I know. What's the delusion? That, that you, I'm trying to create a reality that's not possible. There. What? Was, was that an insight you had before we talked? Yeah. Okay, excellent. Number uh, And then number 10, you said you referred to as a place. Do you want to read it again, please? Um. That it's all that I haven't read it yet. Um, it's all that I have. The only way I can see to letting go would be to have nothing to do with her. And I'm far too, and this is the, the important part, I'm far too dependent on this relationship to let it go. I feel, I still feel like I need something from her. Okay. Acceptance. Uh, all right. All right. So the need is the key word here. What do you see in that statement that's unhealthy for you? Read it again and then answer the question. What do you see as unhealthy in that statement? Read it again first, please. It's all I have. Uh, the only way I can see to letting go would be to have nothing to do with her. And I'm far too dependent on this relationship to let it go. Okay, so uh, I still feel like I need something from her. Right, right, right. So what do you see as unhealthy in that, uh, the core of unhealthiness? That I'm really dependent on something I'm never going to get. Well, see, even in the phrase that you just used, uh, you're revealing to me what I saw as black and white thinking. What's with this never business? It's either all or nothing no, you can have a relationship with your mother that isn't dependent. When you okay. hold on to yourself and don't give her the power to name you, then you can be a kind and loving daughter with a relationship with your mother that isn't built on your dependency or hers. Or the anger. Well, um, that's part of it. Yeah, well, how effective is the anger as a tool? I mean, not not anymore. It's not. It, the it, very it was a, fact it was, that you hesitated. The very fact that you hesitated tells me that you are so ritually into the habit of anger that you are actually not sure that how to deal in a communication without it. You're right. Yeah. All right. 
All right. So the perceived role at the top. Um, bamboozled daughter. And the truth at the bottom. A delusional, groveling, crumb-looking daughter. <laughs> Say it to me again, but slowly. Delusional, groveling, crumb-looking daughter. And if you were to, rather than have it so judgmental about yourself, what would you say would be the one word, two words at a max? That's the contrast to bamboozled where you're a victim. And what's the truth? I'm, I, I bamboozled myself. I'm delusional. Um, okay, I don't disagree with that. But I would, I would have said over-dependent daughter. Overly dependent daughter. It, what's, what's happening? It's just, it's, it's just weird because, you know, I've, I've sort of like built a life on thinking that I was so independent and never needing anything from her. Um, yeah, it's a great, that's a great mask. <laughs> it's just not the truth, is it? No, but I, I, no. That's where the anger comes from. Yeah, because I could it, never get what I, I needed or thought look, I needed. Look, you're going to a dry well. Yep. And if only you rage, you're going to drill a hole to the water someplace down there. Yep. Yep. All right. So as writing it out and now talking it out, what's your overall experience with column three and four? Um, right now, it's a lot of confusion. Um, okay. I Mm -hmm. That, from my standpoint, that's a symptom, a healthy symptom of an open mind and heart, because it's much less black and white. And just be with it, embrace it, lean into it. In the prayer, set aside. Yeah. I'm very feeling very unsure of what I could replace this with. That's good. And that's how really to good. get my needs met. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, I, I like it. I like for you to be unsure. It's really a good thing right now. I'll take your word for it. Well, it's a wonderful replacement for black and white. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it allows some room now for you to perhaps explore and experience differences. It's, yeah. It's just shocking to think that like I could ever open up or be vulnerable or actually feel that I would need some, you know, like need love from her or that it could even be possible. Cause I shut her out. The anger a lot is also shutting her out, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. anyway. Yeah. So it's just all like, Maybe I think this might be the very first crack I've ever had in that facade. Honestly. Yeah, I'm hearing it. I'm seeing it. When I resent Brenda for being so self-centered um, and uh, self 
selfish friend. And uh, my self-esteem is... Um... Wait, 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 wait. Oh, sorry. Way too vague. Yeah. All right. Why are you pissed at Brenda? <laughs> well, she just thinks about herself. She doesn't acknowledge, um, for instance, my birthday or even says, you know, hi, how are you? It's just like, oh, what are you doing? And then, and then continues to talk about okay. herself. So Brenda... I am resentful at because she does not treat me as a friend. Exactly. That's specific enough. All right. But we needed to get a little bit of traction. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, 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 so, Self-esteem, please. Self-esteem. I think I'm a kind, loving, generous woman who many would want and value as a friend. Yeah. And your fear is? Uh, that she doesn't see me in that way and that um, I'm not worthy and not appreciated. Those are two different reasons you see that, don't you? Those are two different fears. Right. That she doesn't see me that way is one fear. That, in fact, I'm not worthy to be treated that way is another fear. They're very big and different fears. All right. I'm saying that to set you up for the fear inventory. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So now cross over to the fourth column. What's your perceived role? Um, an unappreciated friend. Yeah, perfect. Great. Snappy. Crisp. Yes. Go ahead. And the event is true. Mm, um, how do you know? Well... In my eyes, it was true because she didn't acknowledge my birthday. She didn't acknowledge some other things that I thought she should have at least, uh, or said thank you. All right. For some and of the things that I've done. For been, how long have you been quotes friends close quotes? Many years. Uh, um, probably does that mean twenty years? Go ahead. About twenty years. All right. Wonderful. And in the twenty years, has she consistently acknowledged your birthday? Well, she has in other times, and over the years, um, we're both now retired, retired, and we have become closer friends. Before it was always just at work, work friends, and so um, we've become, you know, more socially involved. Um, and yes, I thought she should have acknowledged my birthday because she knows when it is. Well, we're 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 clear on all of what you just said, except you didn't answer my question. I said, in the 20 years of your friendship, did she annually recognize your birthday up until this last year? No. How, if you were to look back over the 20 years, how many times did she actually acknowledge your birthday? She didn't. Oh, so what was special about last year or this year? I think because um, we have been closer before you know at work oh, so it was have expected it because the relationship right. on your standards has improved so you would expect her right. behavior to change right i hope you're hearing what i'm saying i am hearing what you're saying yes <laughs> <laughs> all right so these are you, I, you, huh? I, I was i'm going by my rules and maybe she doesn't know my rules 
All right, we'll we'll just park that one for right now. I don't want to, how would you say, um, color the water yet. Uh, unappreciated friend is your perceived role. And when you feel that, as you clearly do right now as we're talking, how do you behave in the last week or month? Um, Number one. Number one. Yeah. What did you I write? talk? Um, I talk about her uh, to my husband and um, uh, another friend that I mentioned it to her uh, that, you know, Brenda hasn't come across as I think she should. So, yeah, talking about her, gossiping right. about her. Any, anything else? I, I'm not uh, I'm not expecting anything. I'm just making sure that it's complete. Yeah, no, that, that was all I wrote. All right. Number two, um, what self-centered thought, the unhealthy thought, is driving this resentment? Well, I want Brenda to acknowledge my birthday. And um, I know that. What's the self-centered thought? Is that, I mean, we know what you want. That's your ambition from self from uh, third column. Yeah. But uh, what is, um, what's the unhealthy thought that's generating this resentment? Um, that I'm thinking just about myself, feeling sorry for me. Um, that she doesn't acknowledge me. All right. Um, I want her to read my mind. Right. I want her to intuitively know my script, my rules of friendship. In 20 years, she's never acknowledged my birthday, but I'm expecting her to change. I'm a fairly unrealistic person. Unless right. I told her that that was important and I would appreciate her remembering me. I don't know how you would do that, but I'm sure that you would figure a way out. I figure because I acknowledge her birthday and gave her a birthday dinner and a birthday cake that she should do the same for me. There you go, you see. But she doesn't know your rules, does she? No. You expect her to intuitively be just like you are and reciprocate. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's your expectation. How's that working out? It's not. <laughs> no, of course not. All right. Number three, where are you dishonest? Um, gossiping about her and passing judgment. She's not a good friend. Um, how is that dishonest? Well, because I was thinking, you know, that it it isn't really honest because she may, well, I don't know how to answer that. That's what I wrote. Yeah, yeah. All right. I'm not, I'm not sure how you come to dishonest, but it's okay. Let's go to fear. What did you write in number four? Afraid of losing her friendship, of not having any friends, and because maybe I'm not a good friend either. Oh, see, a couple very big different sides to that. Nice, very nice. Yeah, good. Uh, I might lose my friends. I might not be worthy of any friends. Yeah, big, big differences. Great. Number five, what's your role and responsibility in generating this anger? 
Well, I wrote, I wanted the praise and the acknowledgement of what a great friend I am. Yeah, um, I had a hidden expectation. Mm -hmm. She had no way of knowing this. Now, probably a good friend would have intuited it. Um, but I don't know that, uh, you know, of course, you've got a 20 year relationship with her. So she, she's never been aware of it to the point where she acknowledged it before. And I'm not sure. Well, have you given her a birthday recognition um, other than this year? Yes. So you regularly support her birthday. Right. And she regularly doesn't support yours. Correct. And you expected it to be different this year. I did. What was the basis of your expectation? I just, again, I just expected, you know, that our relationship had gone beyond just, you know, coworker um, because um, and, and so, you know, we've been seeing each other more regularly up until, you know, the COVID shutdown, we haven't been able to do that. Um, but, you know, we got together at least once a week for cards and uh, she knew, she knows my family. We've been on holidays together. Yeah. We've done a lot yeah. of things together. Yeah. And so um, I just expect, expected her to yeah. acknowledge. Yeah. Well, now that you're retired, you've got more time to think about yourself. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that was not a compliment. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Skip six and seven and go to eight. Any additional fears? But I'm not a good friend. I'm selfish. Um, and, and when you use that term selfish here, what did you have in mind? Again, just thinking about myself. Okay. All right. That would work. Yeah, that's exactly my definition of it, but that's good. All right. Number nine, character defects. I'm judgmental and self-centered and also feeling superior because I took care of her on her birthday, but she didn't do the same for me. Yeah, you're a better friend than she is by far. That's right. Look at, look at the standards you have, high quality standards. She doesn't measure up. Right. But you'll tolerate her friendship and you just have to train her. Yes. <laughs> Number 10, what's the benefit or value to you of having this resentment? Oh, you just said it actually, didn't you? I can maintain an attitude of superiority. Right. Yeah. Look at me. Yes. All right. I'm the standard of friendship. Yes. Yeah. All right. All right. That works. So um, what's you at the top, you perceived role is? An unappreciated friend. What did you write at the bottom is the realization? I'm a very judgmental friend. Um, maybe. Um, I mean, it's your word. It, uh, I'm not coming up with a crisp turnaround, quite frankly, in my head. Unappreciated friend. Yeah, I would have said maybe, and I wrote this down, so I'll go with it. Unrealistic friend. 
yes, I can see that. Why, yes, yeah. That's why I asked the questions about the 20 years and the birthdays and the recognition and what's different this year. Nothing's different this year. Yeah. Right. But, but, but you, your needs are different this year. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is it about your needs that are not being met that makes it allowable for you to place your needs being met on your friends? Well, I, I think I, I want to be liked. Mm -hmm. I want her to acknowledge me. But you haven't needed or wanted that in 19 years. Why now? Maybe because I'm older. I don't know. I'm just fishing. Yeah. 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 All right. Thank you. And let's close with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference.